Hey guys, it's Ken. Hey, before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the Dynamic Duel Podcast as they are our sponsors for this podcast. Uh, without them, we definitely wouldn't be here, so we want to give a great thanks and uh, hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Max Destruction Podcast. I am not Ken. No, I am Dustin, but I am here joined with Ken, and I am super excited for this episode because things are going to turn back around. You know, I see I see in the stars that my luck has made a turn. And uh, Ken, who who we got for today? Uh, you see in the stars, huh, Dustin? That's uh, yes. that's nicely done. That was a that was a pun. If if you guys were curious, as a play on words, which is what we appreciate from Dustin. Uh, yes, Dustin. Today we are gonna uh, be our very first superhuman fight between the man from the stars, uh, who sometimes drives a car and talks a lot about family, Riddick, versus. The badass, only Marvel character I'm going to back, Blade. And uh, did you did you convert yet? Have uh, you I'm never going to convert. Marvel? I am never <laughs> going to convert, Dustin. Um, however, uh, and I'll get into it during uh, our, his his breakdown. But I, what I will say is that. It is very hard pressed to see a DC or Marvel Cinematic Universe as it currently lives without Blade. Oh, exactly. I mean, Blade kind of started that real hype for a superhero genre. I remember he was like the biggest one back in like the early 2000s to watch before Spider-Man and everybody else. And fun fact, if it wasn't for Blade Trinity, we probably would not have Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Uh, you're, you're taking up some of my my talking points there, Dustin. You're doing you're doing a great yeah. job so far. <laughs> well, as always, we want to give a shout out to our benefactors, the suavest men I know, the twins themselves, Marvelous Joe and Johnny DC, the dynamic dual podcast hosts. They're the reason we are here today. They're the reason I ever got into podcasting, and the reason why our great and glorious founder, Ken, decided to start this podcast. So always thank you so much to them. And if you have not given them a listen and you're listening to us first for whatever reason, go listen to them and choose Team D- Team Marvel. Wow, I almost messed up. But Team I was going to say, all the way. yeah, look, we're going to go with Team DC all the way. Uh, but, yeah. but thanks, Dustin. Uh, I really appreciate it. But yeah, definitely shout out to the twins. Uh, Dynamic Duel is is definitely the reason why both of us are here. Uh, previous podcast, not notwithstanding for me, uh, I have found my love for pos- podcasting through these guys. Uh, and without them, I can honestly say I'd just be some joker with a microphone right now, which I am still a joker with a microphone. I just have a little bit wider audience. And now we're going to go to the comment of the week, which comes from Marvelous Joe himself. Um, I think I think we made a mad with the last episode. 
Uh, he is a huge 007 fan, and he wrote, as a lifelong 007 fan, I cannot abide by the results of your Bourne versus Bond matchup. Joe, me either. You know, I felt I was cheated. Hence, I shall request a rematch, this time with Sir Roger Moore's 007, who had by far the most dangerous and versatile set of gadgets. Gadgets that would leave Bourne too stunned to say anything other than Matt Damon during the entire fight. And while I'm aware Roger Moore was the lamest of the Bonds, his arsenal of devices included, and he said included a bullet-deflecting magnetic watch, a hydrochloride-acid-filled fountain pen, and a, a briefcase bomb, a one-man submarine digitized as an alligator, and a third nipple gadget. Yes, you read that right. Watch the man with the golden gun if you don't believe me. All of these could conceivably be used to defeat Jason Bourne in combat. Therefore, in the name of Her Majesty's Secret Service, let's get a rematch going to give Bond the wind. Spanks, Marvelous Joe. Well, I agree. Joe, I really appreciate that you submitted this comment, uh, and the next one we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But first of all, I got to say, I truly appreciate when somebody comments something like so daring and includes the complete reason why their comment should be thrown out completely. I believe yeah. it is before he started discussing the arsenal of devices, and I quote, and while I'm aware Roger Moore was the lamest of all the Bonds, that is the exact reason why we went with Daniel Craig, other than the fact that I have to save Sir Sean Connery for everything else that he's going to do. Roger Moore sucked as Bond completely. Uh, and, and while I do agree, if we use the fake third nipple gadget, he might have had a head up above USA, USA, USA. I'm sorry, I have to. I I, I, I just got to. He might have a head above uh, our born friend. Uh, it's unlikely because while Bond is a fan of the ladies, Bourne is a fan of the winning. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, moving on to our second comment, also from Joe, uh, is, hey guys, love watching the show so far. His favorite episode, and I'm going to say probably is still Gladiator versus Braveheart. Uh, it, it, he's beyond excited to see what matches we have in store, uh, including, I'm guessing, a rematch, although we know who's going to win between Bourne and Bond. Uh, his yeah. favorite action movie growing up was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Classic, amazing movie. Uh, and he has two questions regarding that. First, Dustin, was your fa absolute favorite action movie, but it's between the, the years of 1985 to 1995. Yeah, so I think I got to go with the one true Christmas movie, um, Die Hard. I, I love Bruce Willis. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, John McClane is a total B.A. I love the Die Hard series, so I think that would probably be my favorite. Uh, and this we agree and can be friends. This is why I have Dustin on the podcast, honestly. Had nothing to do with all the rest of it. He and I agree that Die Hard is, in fact, a, the one true Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a solid pick, Dustin. Uh, me personally, my favorite is going to be Predator, the original pet Predator, uh, which is why Dutch versus Rambo was our first episode. Uh, having Arnold in his prime 
geared up with giant machine guns uh, and including five of like the biggest beef cakeiest men on earth uh, who had to race each other to the gym every single morning to get their <laughs> pump wouldn't fit it's, it, it's incredible film of Arnold Schwarzenegger for Predator uh, but his second question, Dustin, is who do you think would be a good fight for Schwarzenegger's T-800, the Terminator model that Schwarzenegger played, or Robert Patrick's T-1000? Ooh, um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I would say I haven't seen this movie in a while, so I don't know if it's a good matchup. But what about Judge Dredd? Dread would be cool. I think that might be a, a, a cool matchup. I mean, the the one everyone always puts up against the the Terminators, RoboCop, right? Um, right. I mean, there was video games made off of that in the in the early '90s, and you know, comic books and so. So yeah, Dread. I could see Dread. Um, I think for the T one thousand. Uh, one that's been suggested to us, and I think is actually going to make an appearance on this show, is Neo from the Matrix. Uh, I think it'd be kind of kind of badass to see those two go up against each other. Um, We'd have to figure out whether or not it's going to be in the Matrix or not. Um, But how everyone knows Keanu is going to pull that one. So we'll 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 see uh, what happens. And I guess it'll just be the luck of the uh, the coin flip to see whoever's going to get to pick that fight. Uh, But yeah, yeah, Robert Patrick. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Robert, yeah, definitely. Robert Patrick's T one thousand was like the bad guy uh, for for most of us, uh, and to this day, I don't think he's ever going to outlive that character. Uh, so, Joe, thank you for the two comments of the week. Uh, if you guys want to leave a comment for us to read on this podcast, make sure it is better than those two, uh, but not so good that it sounds better than we do when we're doing this podcast because we won't read it on there. Uh, and you can send submit any comment that you'd like through any of our social media accounts. We post through uh, Instagram and Facebook, uh, as well as maxdestructionpodcast.com or at gmail.com and any and all of our uh, podcast venues, the way you're you're rolling around. So uh, yeah, leave us a comment and you might be on next week's episode. Uh, With that being out of the way, Dustin, what do we have next? Um, As always, we are going to dive into what uh, Ken aptly named Tale of the Cocoa Butter. And this comes from the fact that in the 80s and 90s, dudes with jacked muscles loved to oil themselves up, make themselves slippery and look like they were buffered than they already were. So, uh, Ken, you're doing Blade, you know, choosing Team Marvel. And I just love it. I'm going to point it out as much as possible. What you got? That is outstanding. And I think I'm going to go first, even though you know, we all know that I am not a Marvel fan. I will be for this episode. Yeah. So anyways, uh, <laughs> so my character will be Blade. Uh, his name is Eric Brooks, uh, but he's gone by Blade for as long as anybody can remember. Uh, his most famous portrayal, of course, is Wesley Snipes. Uh, I think that he is the main reason why that film was made. Uh, I don't think anybody else could have played him at that time, other than maybe Michael J. White, because uh, the, the, both of them are just badasses. 
the movies. Uh, of course, the trilogy started in 98 um, because the tale of the cocoa butter is like tale of the tape from the UFC. We like to list off the actor's height and weight, give you a little bit more realism. Uh, shockingly enough, Wesley Snipes is only 5'8", and he was only about 180 pounds for the for the role. Uh, his rank He's Vampire Hunter. Uh, he's been a team member of multiple super teams and to include Midnight Suns and the Avengers. Because he is such a prominent Marvel fan uh, character, I'm going to go ahead and read most of his bio from the Marvel official power grid. Uh, I don't think anyone else could have ju- done justice. So there have been many men and women in the world who hunt vampires, but few strike as much fear into the blood sucking hearts as they do stakes. Other than Blade. Blade is more than just a slayer of the undead, but a boogeyman's boogeyman, and that thing that makes ghouls and monsters lose sleep. Born from a mother ravaged by vampirism and gifted superhuman abilities from a bite from Morbius, the living vampire, Blade is the Daywalker, a skilled martial artist who possesses most vampire strengths and none of their weaknesses. His life is a tireless pursuit of eradicating the world's beasts who seek to destroy innocent life. Blade came to uh, came from complicated uh, beginnings in the comic books. He was actually a British British uh, character from his start. Um, of course, in in the films, he's played by Wesley Snipes, who cannot do a British accent to save his life. So I think he just rolled with who he was. Um, basically, the the starts of both these characters really come from the fact a vampire named Deacon Frost bit. Eric's mother, uh, while she was pregnant, uh, thus transferring some of the vampirism virus into Eric as she was turning. uh, And he was able to take on a lot of their strengths, but few of their weaknesses. Now, he did not receive any of his superhuman abilities until much later. Uh, Eric was raised by a brothel as an orphan and poisoned by the vampire's kiss, but not yet fully turned. Uh, As a child, he encountered a figure who changed his life. Uh, Blade threw himself into a melee of vampires attacking an old man who turned out to be Jamal Afar, a jazz trumpeter and professional enemy of the undead. Afar took the youth under his ring, training him to be the ultimate killing machine. Years later... Blade would accidentally murder an innocent man while on patrol, causing a far and Madame Vanity to send him to New York to join a gang called the Blood Shadows. Eric would wrest control of the group from their leader, then bring his new allies back with him to England as his personal vampire fighting force. Uh, he had also stolen away the Blood Shadows leader girlfriend, Glory, but when a vampire called Lamia turned his lover, Brooks had to slay them both, rededicating himself to the mission at hand rather than interpersonal relationships. The final tragedy that led Eric to become the man he was destined to be came when Dracula himself turned Blade's uh, mentor Afar, leaving the protege to kill the man who made who helped him as no one else would. Now, Afar is, is the comic book uh, where Whistler... Uh, played by the badass uh, Chris Christopherson uh, in the films. Uh, his lust for revenge on on Dracula led Blade to kill him multiple times. I mean, I think it's at like 100 times in the comics. Uh, the group began calling him Blade thanks to his proficiency with bladed weapons. When the team finally found Dracula, the Dark Lord killed every one of them except for Blade, uh, so that sometime in the future the foe would be honor-bound to return the favor. Uh, Blade incorporated the elements of each man that he uh, trained under, uh, but taking his name uh, as well as 
Afar's trademark uh, sunglasses uh, to become the legendary and infamous vampire hunter everybody knows. Uh, he, he traveled the world. He fought a bunch of monsters. Uh, he was definitely a, a badass of badasses. Uh, however, he did not get all of his strengths until he was helping Spider-Man at the time uh, capture their former ally, Morbius the Living Vampire, who'd fallen sway uh, of a vampire known as the Hunger. During their confrontation, Morbius bit Blade, who soon realized that his blood enzymes were not enough to protect him from this foe's unique form of vampirism. Remember, but, uh, Morbius isn't a natural vampire. He was scientifically made. Uh, and then the Daywalker, although allegedly a Daywalker since birth, Blade now transformed into the thing he hated most, manifesting vampire fangs and a bloodthirst. Uh, throughout his films and, and comics, uh, the most spectacular kills, of course, Dracula again at affinity times this, at this point. Mutant vampires, Hannibal King, uh, so eloquently played uh, by Ryan Reynolds uh, in the films and Deacon Frost in his blood god uh, self. Uh, for his abilities and equipment for this fight, Blade possesses all the vampire strengths with none of their weaknesses. He has superhuman strength, stamina, and senses, as well as an accelerated healing factor, but is impervious to sunlight and vampire bites. In addition to his supernatural abilities, he's also an incredibly skilled fighter, uh, knowing multiple forms of uh, martial arts to include Jeet Kune Do and Kung Fu. Blade is also a master with uh, most martial martial arts uh, when it comes to weapons craft, uh, namely his uh, way with his sword. Uh, also, he will be bringing assorted firearms, all of them silver tipped, of course, uh, to include 12 gauge shotguns that shoot stakes, Mac 10 auto pistols, and his favorite Glock Black Beauty. And that, Dustin, is Blade. I love it. I love that you just represented a Marvel character. I I just, I love it all, okay? And if it would have been against anybody else, I'd have been cheering that you actually win this match. But The Chronicle Riddick is one of my top five all-time favorite movies. And I flipping, I love the Riddick series so much that when we decided to do this episode, I just binged all three live-action movies. There is an animated one that I skipped, but we'll get into that. So my turn now, we got Richard B. Riddick, played by the family man himself, Vin Diesel. The movies he appears in is Pitch Black, The Chronicles of Riddick and Riddick. And there is also an animated short called The Chronicles of Riddick Dark Fury. And that is like kind of a bridge episode, like short from Pitch Black to The Chronicles of Riddick, like what happened in between. Um, I used to have the deluxe edition, so I watched that many times. Uh, Vin Diesel, much taller and, you know, stockier. So uh, height, six foot one, weighing in at 210 pounds. This is the UFC. Wesley Snipes is going down. His rank is uh, he's, he's a criminal, murderer, whatever you want to call him. He's a very bad guy who also happens to be really good at escaping prison. So when we first encounter Riddick, he is a prisoner on a prison on a public transport system deal that he probably shouldn't have been on. But the Merc was, let's say, morally gray at best. He at one point after this, the ship crashes on a planet and they capture Riddick and he's like chained up or and everything. 
he dislocates his shoulders to get himself out of the situation. Like this dude can dislocate his joints without even a care. He is extremely stealthy, very high situational awareness. After he escapes, he uh, goes all around the campsite of the crash site and he's stalking all these people. He's watching what they're doing, figuring stuff out, seeing where they got equipment, kind of gathering his plan. It's like bright as hell. This place has like three sons and no one notices this big hulking Vin Diesel walking around like he is that good at stealth. Um, his like I said, his situational uh, situational awareness is extremely high. He always has a plan. He always has a backup plan. He's always like three steps ahead of his enemies. Uh, and in Pitch Black and in Riddick, he fights these like giant freaking alien monsters and holds his own. Like these things are three times his size, and he is cutting him in half. The first movie, Pitch Black. There were these creatures that only came out at night, and I think they loved that theme so much that in Riddick, they decided that they were going to have new alien beasts that only come out in mud and rain. I don't understand that, but it's cool. He also is a extremely proficient fighter. He can fly spacecrafts. He's proficient with guns, but he definitely, like Blade, loves his blades. He is a knife guy. Like He is constantly has, like, 30 blades on him at a time. Doesn't matter. In the second movie, he has to face a race of people that are calling themselves the Necromongers. Their leader, the Grand Marshal, has these like supernatural abilities, able to move at like a superhuman speed. And Riddick takes him on and defeats him, stabs him straight, top of the head. Easy. Also in that movie, you see him running across the burning planet of crematoria trying to escape the sun because on the daylight side it's 700 degrees and that is after he escaped a prison where they released these hellhounds is what they called him riddick just looks this dog in the eye and stops in his tracks like it's like nah i'm not gonna mess with you dude you're good and then the guards are messing with his friend so what does riddick do he kills one of them with a teacup He uses a teacup and slams it into a guy's chest, killing him instantly. He is seen killing multiple Necromonger soldiers at any given time. He was able to infiltrate their ranks and go find the Grand Marshal. Like, he just put on their suits, infiltrated their base. Not a problem. Uh, On the last one, he was betrayed and and left to die on a horrible flipping planet where everything was out to get him. Like, there was crazed dog-like creatures that were trying to eat them. And the worst one was the the mud monsters, I call them. I don't know what they were actually called. Had a giant, like, scorpion tail, sharp teeth and two legs, and they looked creepy. Um, But, yeah, he builds himself up a immunity to their poison, makes a weapon where it's a blade hidden in a giant chunk of bone, and chops its head off because it's flippin' Riddick and he doesn't give a crap. He was system. He was able to systematically take out multiple bounty hunters. They started with like eleven, and by the end of the first night, he had, without being caught, seen, or anything, killed three of them. Not a problem. So you know, I think that kind of covers his backstory. Of basically, to narrow it down into one sentence, Riddick is a BA. All right. So now we'll go into the equipment. Uh, he has an assortment of knives and blades, hidden daggers. He has his necromonger armor in the second and third movie 
He he has uh, for abilities. He has that really sharp tactical mindset. He has a heightened situational awareness. He appears to have some increased strength, speed, and reflexes. You see him doing some crazy jumps and everything, and some crazy strength feats throughout the movies. And the most important one is he can see at night due to his eyes. He has these special eyes; they're silver, and when he takes off his goggles, he's able to see as bright as day. And everything else, he just has some other heightened senses. Like I know his sense of smell is really high. He can track people. It's he's flipping crazy. Blades has a tough uphill battle. That's all I got to say. Well, Dustin, I feel like we missed the boat. We should have started the episode off calling it the Battle of the Shades uh, because both of these guys are known (laughs) for their sunglasses wearing or goggles wearing uh, all the time because, uh, you know, you need to wear them even if it's inside in the dark for no reason. Uh, Early 2000s, it was all the rage. That's that's a fact. And you know what, Dustin? Something that has not happened in a few episodes, both of our characters— Dead parents. What? What? They're what? dead parents. Yep. They're they're running right into the plot uh, devices that we uh, we set aside, saying you know if sometimes a character needs to you know their parents need to die. All right. It frees them up to do all the training they need to do uh, and gives them that that little oomph you know to to, to get what they need yeah. to get. It. Uh, the Batman uh, effect. It, it gives them their motivation. Right. Right. Um, uh, Dustin, I, I wanted to go more into the morally gray characters that you're talking about, because uh, I kind of feel like it's every character uh, in the Riddick films are morally gray. Uh, and I think it's because that they're morally gray and 99 percent of them are dumb uh, that Riddick is able to get through. Uh, and uh, Blade's mm. not going to have that problem. All right. Uh, he uh, is half vampire and has killed Dracula motherfucking dracula all right i don't think riddick's gonna have a problem yeah no okay but riddick fought the grand marshal that was not a dumb guy he amassed a massive army he came back from the necroverse with special abilities dracula couldn't do the things that the grand marshal could now we're going back to some guy said that he went to the necroverse yeah i'm the elon musk's best friend all right we're just going to go with cool. the, right? I know, right? It'd be awesome. I'd be running around in his, like, cool little Tonka truck. Kind of looks yeah, like the a, Puma from Halo. I feel like we're getting off topic here, Dustin. <laughs> 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 All right, so now that we've broken down both of our characters' bios, Dustin, I feel like uh, we should go into what we like to call a simulated match. Um we use the exact same Monte Carlo simulation that our dynamic dual brother and utilize, uh, which really just means a bunch of ones and zeros are get through a computer and who would win in a thousand matches. If you were to take these guys stats like strength, versatility, perception range, and you fed them into a computer system that went there you go. It's done. Uh, and it would also take like maybe 22 seconds if it's a really slow computer. Uh, but that wouldn't be all that entertaining to listen to, Dustin. I feel like maybe we should simulate a match. It's not going to count against uh, either one's win totals, but I think it would sound a hell of a lot better than... And if you spoke Netscape, that meant you were getting online. Uh, that's for all my, my boomers out there. Uh, Zoomers, you guys have no idea. You guys have had fast internet. We were born into the dark you know you you try to adopt it yeah (laughs) 
Uh, so we're going to go ahead and simulate a match. And unlike our dynamic dual brethren that like to go, we're putting them in a non-environment because we don't want anybody. Have, now, screw that. We want we want these guys to be in an environment that makes sense because both of these guys are dark related. I think we should go somewhere dark, Dustin. Uh, I, I will agree. Pitch black. Pitch black? Oh, are the creatures there? <laughs> No, no, no. We won't have any outside help this time. Uh, These two guys are going to fight on their own merits. Uh, But we'll we'll say it's uh, a planet-ish like Earth. I don't feel like... I mean, Blade's definitely fought on other planets, but we're we're talking about the Wesley Snipes Blade here. uh, And I'm sure he would love to take Blade to space. Uh, We're just not going to roll that way. So we'll say it's a planet like Earth. uh, And it's dark. Who do you think would go first, Dustin? So I think Riddick will actually make the first move on this because he's wanting to gauge Blade's abilities. So he's going to throw a couple of his little dart knives that he hides on his wrists and fire them straight at Blade just to see his reflexes and his ability. Now... Blade's definitely going to feel these things coming. He's either going to hear it, he's either going to see it. Um, but because the guy he's coming after, he knows that he wants to be hiding in the shadows. He's going to tank these three darts and just catch them uh, with the palm of his hand and looking up and around, trying to gauge, you know, making it seem like he doesn't know where they came from. He's just going to mutter some motherfuckers like to skate up till. <laughs> all right all right so that's when riddick's gonna be kind of curious like this guy just caught him in the palm of his hand so obviously he has some good reflexes and he might be pretending to not know but riddick has that situational awareness that tactical mindset so he's gonna know this is a bluff so next i think he's just gonna throw one of his bigger knives he's gonna sneak up behind him and then throw it at his back uh, so hearing Riddick sneak because a six foot one, 210 pound man definitely can't be that sneaky. Uh, Ooh, I, I beg mean, to differ. Uh, you can beg to differ all you want. We're just going to go ahead and say Blade likely hears him coming again. He goes up against vampires. All right. Like every day on the on the rig. All right. So Blade sneaking up to him. We'll say he gets close enough to chuck this this knife. Uh, but as he does, Blade's going to do a spin move and like push his leather jacket up into the air. And as the leather is moving across, he's going to pull out one of his Mac 10 pistols and just start unloading rounds in Riddick's general direction. Okay, he's going to have to die for cover, that's for sure. Um, Riddick doesn't typically carry guns on him. He usually makes traps or weapons, so he's going to have to die for cover. Again, probably sneaking into the shadows and buying time for his next move. So when when Blade realizes that he didn't hit anything, he's going to go back on the hunt. Uh, he's going to, you know, drop his now useless Mac 10 because likely out of rounds because he likes to spray and pray uh, and not really worry too much about round count. Um, but he is going to pull out his 12 gauge uh, stake thrower uh, because to him, this guy is just another vampire. He's, he's something that shockingly enough, Dustin, anything that gets staked in the heart's likely going to die. 
And I don't really care who you are. If you get a, a silver stake through the heart, you're likely going to die. So he's going to have his, his stake thrower, uh, you know, trained up and around. Uh, and Blade's going to move towards where he, like, he last saw Riddick. Okay, well, Riddick actually moved on to hiding above him. We'll say, depending on where this at is, like in the rafters or on a cliff edge. And he's going to take the element of surprise and he's going to dive down on him. And he's going to pull those flipping curved blades that he hides on his back usually and come right down on top of Blade. Uh, so for the for the sake of argument, Dustin, we'll go ahead and say that that was a good move uh, and that Riddick is likely going to land a, a, a cut or two on on Blade. Uh, but Blade's going to take these two cuts and roll forward, uh, probably having to drop his his shotgun. Um, and he's going to get up into a crouch now, knowing where Riddick is at, as he realized he had to get in close. Uh, and as he comes up out of his roll, he's going to unsheath his D'Artagnan sword, uh, which is three and a half foot of badass double bladed wonderness. And he's going to cut a line in the sand right between him and Riddick uh, and stare up at him as his wounds heal up. Okay, well, Riddick is going to take a few more daggers. Um, I'm going to say he has a near unlimited supply just for argument's sake. And he's going to chuck him right at Blade. And then he's actually going to pick up that stake gun and shoot it at Blade. So Blade's going to have to use the sword likely to to, to deflect the the daggers coming at him. Uh, and we'll say one of those those stakes like launches into Blade's shoulder. Which is going to hurt like hell. I don't care who you are. This is going to hurt like hell. Um, but as Blade goes to pull the, the stake out, he's going to lunge at him with the superhuman speed that he is he's known for uh, and swipe up with the sword left to right uh, and in a diagonal to just eviscerate Riddick. OK, I'm going to say Riddick sees this coming, obviously, because you got the superhuman and he has faced a superhuman with increased speed before. So he's going to duck down and he is going to swing up with that shotgun, using it like a bat on blades face. So knocking blade back, but he's going to turn it into a backwards flipping kick to kick Riddick. Wait for it in the chin. I know where you were going at Dustin, get your mind out of the button. <laughs> he's going to kick Riddick straight in the chin, knocking his little goggles off. Ooh, that's a that's a mistake. You just made it even easier for him to see now. So Riddick's obviously going to reel from this. He usually like looks up like what the crap. He's going to get up and he's going to be at the ready for a fist fight. So so Blade just like yeah, you know, screw this. He yanks the stake out of his shoulder, puts it back into the sheath at his belt, uh, and then just starts coming at him throwing hands. I mean, he's throwing uppercuts, left, rights, hooks, jabs, uh, kicks, uh, just pummeling Riddick uh, to the body, to the face, uh, faster than Riddick can definitely see. Okay. The thing is, again, Riddick hides knives all over his body, so he has these tiny little darts that he pulls out, and he's going to use those to mess Blade up. As he's coming to punch him, he's going to stab those into Blade's fist. As Blade's trying to kick him in the side, he's going to stab down with a dagger into his knee, and then he's going to throat chop him because I feel like a throat chop sounds great. 
So he's going to take the throat chop, uh, and and he's going to have to like shrug off all the 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 cuts that he's getting. Uh, but Blade's going to come back with uh, a sword thrust uh, to take right into Riddick's knees. Okay, I'm going to say as Riddick, while we were up close, Riddick is a very stealthy, very kind of like a kleptomaniac kind of guy. He stole one of those stakes off of his belt. He's going to jump the blade and try to stab Blade in the chest with his own stake. That's that's a good move. Uh, However, he didn't see the Glock coming up out of the other pocket of Blade's jacket. So we'll say... As he's coming in, Blade just brings the Glock up and then shoots Riddick right between the eyes. Okay, so either Riddick gets that stake through your chest or he takes a bullet to the face. Yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. I think that's a pretty good one. (laughs) What we like to do in this podcast before we actually share the results is we like to go on what we call the damage scale, uh, which is... If these two guys were to actually get into a fight in, a, in downtown New York City, uh, what new people don't normally do in an action film is worry about, I don't know, say the deli across the street and whether or not the characters that are engaged in fisticuffs or explosions or bullets just raining everywhere, how much damage that's doing to the surrounding area and or all the human beings and or aliens and or anybody that's just living in that general vicinity, how much damage they're going to have to clean up. All right. Uh, Dustin, these two guys, they're definitely not explosive type dudes. One's more of a firearms guy, but these guys are primarily just blades and fists where do you think these two guys land on our damage scale so that's exactly what my thought was was these are not like even though this is our first like superhuman fight they don't really have anything explosive about them so i'm gonna go two yeah definitely i i think so i think their their supernatural abilities would like punch through a wall but i don't think they would like explode anything. So yeah, I think that's a good call uh, for this match. We'll go with a two on the damage scale. All right, man, let's go to the results based on our 1000 simulated matches. Who do you think actually won this? All right. So, you know, I'm going to stick with my guns and go with my main man Riddick, but at the same time, I think I'm not going to be upset if it's a uh, blade just because, you chose to rep a Marvel character and then a Marvel character wins. I think it's just a it's a sign of things to come. Only in your dreams, my friend, only in your dreams. Uh, you're just going to keep sticking that knife in there. I, I get it. Justin. <laughs> I get it. That's all right. Well, Dustin, uh, I think we're both going to be pleased. You for one reason and me for the other, because it was, in fact, Blade. Who won Ooh. out of a thousand matches? He won 594, so 59.4%. Uh, what really got Riddick was uh, damage level and range. Uh, I think just the simple fact of Riddick not utilizing firearms as much as Blade does. Um, yep. They, I mean, they were pretty closely tied when it came to the, the their, their normal attributes of evasiveness, uh, strength, uh, range uh perception um but where 
Riddick kind of really shined was his versatility. Uh, and we went ahead and said his strategic intelligence was probably pretty good, too, considering he's had to fight aliens on two different planets and be able to defeat both of them, uh, as well as a lot of our morally gray individuals. Uh, so... Uh, that that does that. Uh, unfortunate for you, my friend, but fortunate for us that Blade won this fight. Yeah, I'll I'll take that loss, and it'll just I'll forever remind you how you chose a Marvel character and won. It's got to feel good worry. deep down in your soul, and uh, I feel I feel you starting to turn red. Uh, it's not going to happen that way. Uh, however, we can both agree that Wesley Snipes is blade oh yeah all right dustin so before we go ahead and close down this podcast we like to pick who's going to be who in next week's podcast and in next week's podcast a max destruction first we're actually going to be fighting as the ladies uh that's right couple episodes before we were bond versus born to ladies men if we ever seen them now we're going to go from the other side of the chromosome line uh that's right folks we are going to be pitching beatrice kiddo from kill bill aka the bride versus yushu lean uh from crouching tiger hitting dragon uh both badass swords women if there ever was one uh as you guys know we like to flip a coin for this uh that way there is no bias in between although we can already say dustin loses at this almost every time (laughs) i can't wait to see what's gonna happen this time uh and again i'm not kidding there is an actual coin i do actually flip it and we'll see who's going to win but dustin for this flip you go and call it in the air so in three two one heads it's heads. Look at you, Dustin. Oh. You're winning now. <laughs> All right, Dustin, who do you want for next week? I am going with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Nice choice. Uh, she is a badass, uh, and I can't mm-hmm. wait to see what you do with her. Uh, that means for me, I get Uma Thurman herself going to dance her way in with a katana, the Hattori Hanzo sword, and just eviscerate her badassly. So back-to-back weeks when I get to do Swordsman, it's pretty badass. So, Dustin, I think we did it. Is there anything else you want to plug? No, not really. I'm uh, plain, boring, nothing special. Actually, there is something I want to plug. So I am going to be on a future episode of a friend of ours podcast, John Starosky. He started a podcast called Mad Movie Trivia. And coincidentally enough, and this was not planned, I swear, I am going to be answering trivia questions on the Chronicles of Riddick. Nicely done. Funnily enough, and also not coincidentally, I also will be guest starring on John Strahovski's podcast. And I believe I will be answering questions on either Blazing Saddles or... I'm not real sure. There's like two or three other movies, but it's going to be a good time. Uh, definitely check out the Mad Movie Trivia podcast with our friend John Strosky. Uh It's going to be a badass time. Um, but on behalf of Dustin and myself, Ken, this is Max Destruction. Join us next week. Again, leave a comment wherever you find us, uh, and you'll be right on maybe next time. Uh, so for us, thanks, guys. See you.